Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The European Commission unveiled new plans last week to boost the continent's homegrown green industries in an effort to counter America's Inflation Reduction Act. On Wednesday, the Commission released the Green Deal Industrial Plan, which aims to make it easier for companies to access tax breaks, redirect cash toward clean tech industries, and relax state aid rules. The move comes in direct response to the Inflation Reduction Act, which included massive green subsidies that Brussels believes could drive business across the Atlantic to America. But as Politico Europe's Sam Stolten is reporting, the plan from the European Commission is already facing some major internal criticisms, and Europe might be in a subsidy race it can't win. So today we chat with Sam about the timeline and details of Europe's plan and its drawbacks. It's Monday, February 6th. Well, firstly, I should probably preface by saying that Brussels has said that they don't want to be drawn into a subsidy race with the United States. But indeed, with Commission President Ursula von der Leyen's Green Deal Industrial Plan announced on Wednesday, she has, in effect, entered the EU into a bidding war with the US in terms of the race for a green industry. Now, the new proposals, and I should highlight that these are only recommendations at the moment, They allow for tax breaks to be given to green firms, a relaxing of certain subsidy rules for national governments to support sustainable business in the EU, and also the promise of a Europe-wide sovereignty fund. And these will come alongside new clean tech benchmarks for 2030. Now, where the EU's efforts could fall flat is, as ever, in the very inter-institutional fabric of EU policymaking, and the fact that tax is a national competence in the European Union. So rather than Brussels setting EU-wide rules, it can only actually offer recommendations. And then some tax breaks could be regarded as a form of state aid that need notification to Brussels, which slows down the whole process and potentially curtails the efficiency of Europe's global green competitiveness And because, after all, indeed, subsidy races are all about speed and Europe is often quite slow on the uptake of these types of things. Right. And so remind us again why the EU felt the need to respond to the IRA to begin with. What's the threat to them? So as with the rest of the world, Europe has been writhing from the economic aftershocks of both the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine rising inflation has had a big impact on energy prices here. And this has accelerated the need to invest in long-term sustainable sources of energy. And against this backdrop, the US unveils its grandstanding tax credits and subsidy program for American green and sustainable firms. And the EU sees this as a protectionist move that would potentially breach international trade rules. And the EU was particularly angered because it felt that the US efforts cut European firms off from these benefits, particularly when it comes to government support for electric vehicles. And you're reporting that the plan 
as outlined by the EU, already is facing some criticism for two big reasons. So what are those? Right. Firstly, there are those who see the EU's response as a threat to the internal market. And secondly, there are those who see the EU's plans as just wholly insufficient and well below the mark of what needs to be done to stay globally competitive. So on the first point, there have been several letters penned by national European governments and sent to Brussels warning the European Commission that any attempts to further relax its state aid restrictions, and this is both after relaxations of its state aid regime took place during the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine, any further relaxations there could result in a fracturing of the bloc's sacrosanct single market. And of course, the European Commission has safeguards in place to ensure that national subsidies distributed to firms across the bloc don't distort competition. Unsurprisingly, the lion's share of state aid approvals during those relaxations came from two countries in particular. They were the two most economically powerful countries in the European Union. Indeed, 80% of those state aid approvals came from Germany and France. It's important to say also that not all approved aid is spent, but it does show how some countries have more fiscal space than others. So that's one particular concern from some of the less economically powerful countries in the European Union that any further relaxations to the state aid regime could potentially destabilise the internal market and endanger the level playing field. Now, the second criticism comes from the other camp of observers who say that actually, is the EU even trying to compete globally with this package? Because it's sort of like a rehashing of a number of different existing financial frameworks. The fact is there's no new money for now on the table from the European Commission. All it is doing is essentially repackaging existing funding programmes. There is the promise of a potential European sovereignty fund in the summer, but again, it remains unclear where exactly that money will come from. Gotcha. And then you mentioned, of course, the EU being notoriously slow on big policy concepts like this. So what's next here? And what is the process like for EU countries to actually adopt this plan? It feels like this is just the beginning, right? Indeed it is, Josh. Yes. So we have this recommendation from the European Commission at the moment. The proposals to further relax the state aid rules are being discussed with EU member states at the moment. But the key date is really February the 9th and 10th. I should make clear that um, the proposal from the Commission is only a recommendation. So anything of substance will actually come out of this February meeting between European Union leaders in Brussels then, and they will attempt to chart a initial solution. I wouldn't expect any firm plan of action until late March, when there will be another summit of European leaders, and they'll probably start to form a more coherent response to the US Inflation Reduction Act, but also keep an eye out on February the 9th and 10th for a sense of the EU's direction in this debate. Also, on Friday, the Treasury Department announced it will change the definition of an SUV to make more electric vehicles from Tesla, Ford, and other automakers eligible for the full $7,500 tax credit in the Inflation Reduction Act. 
Treasury's announcement follows weeks of campaigning by automakers who argued the standard Treasury was using was confusing for consumers and could cause them to lose out on the tax credit. That previous standard classified several popular vehicles as cars, subject to the $55,000 price cap, rather than SUVs, subject to the $80,000 price cap. The department added that customers who have purchased vehicles since the new tax credit came into effect January 1st will now be retroactively eligible under the updated guidance. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power-switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.